Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Welcome back, everyone, to the 139th episode of Power Your Parenting Moms and Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. My guest today is Jackie Simmons, a parent who is on a mission to prevent teen suicides through having the talk. Last May, she gave a TEDx talk called Have the Talk to Stop Teen Suicide. Jackie is a speaker, radio show host, international bestselling author, Emotional Resilience Grandmaster Trainer, Co-Founder and Director of the Teen Suicide Prevention Society. Jackie is best known for a mission to, quote, stop teen suicide. Along the way, she expects to shake up the mental health industry and challenge the way the world views suicide prevention. Jackie states that we have the talk about sex, the talk about alcohol and drugs, so why aren't we having the talk about suicide? Jackie fights suicide by being an advocate for living. This talk is not a substitute for having your teen evaluated or treated by a doctor or mental health professional. If you have any concerns, again, please contact your mental health professional. Jackie offers us a very simple and yet powerfully effective way to talk to our teens about this uncomfortable subject. This could be the most important talk you have ever had with your teen. So welcome, Jackie Simmons. Oh, thank you for inviting me here, Colleen. I appreciate it. Oh, it's this is such an important talk. But first, what are the ages of your kids? I have three daughters, and they will probably not forgive me for a while for outing their ages, because <laughs> now they are in, let, let's see, all right, it's that time of year I have to stop and pause 38, 
almost 40 and 41. Okay. Um, do you have any grandkids? I have four. I raised three daughters and I've got four grand boys. Oh, and wow. My oldest grandson just turned 18. And oh there's stair steps from there. So I have teens in my life still. Yeah, you do. Yeah, from a different perspective. Boys are very different than girls. <laughs> yes, they are. Absolutely. So you have a very important TEDx talk, which is called Have the Talk to Stop Teen Suicide. And that was released in May. So can you tell me the story behind that? That was the most challenging and difficult 30 seconds of my life. And the 30 seconds that was difficult was when my TEDx coach said, you're going to have to tell the story of Mm. the day your daughter first attempted. And I was like, but Roger, there's no story. It was just a day. There was nothing unusual about that day until there was nothing usual about my life. There is no story. I don't remember. And my 30 seconds started when Roger said, can you ask your daughter? Wow. And I gulped and hit pause and then called my daughter. And my 30 seconds started again with, hey, Stephanie, this is my middle daughter. Hey, Stephanie, you know I'm doing the TEDx talk. They want me to tell the story, your story. And honey, I don't remember. I think I said, I'm sorry. But I'm not sure she heard me because she was laughing. Wow. And she said, mom, it was the shopping. And then I remembered. And that's why in my TEDx talk is both sides of that day, my experience of taking teenage girls shopping for clothing. Because Stephanie wasn't just in between her sisters. She was in between schools that summer and in between clothing sizes. So the shopping had become an adventure and nothing fitter. I mean, outfit after outfit, store after store. We came home at the end of the day with nothing except an attitude. She marched straight up the stairs to the bathroom. Anybody who's ever dealt with a teenage girl with an attitude, yeah, she was gone. And I just collapsed on the sofa, so grateful to be off my feet. It had been a marathon. And just as I gave that sigh and enjoyed the peace and quiet, I heard, Mom, I think I need help. And my eyes were drawn to Stephanie's left arm. Blood was dripping off her fingers onto the wood floor. The the emotional part of my brain started screaming in terror at the sight of my bleeding, obviously suicidal child. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but the rational part of my brain started flipping through the files in my head, looking for the date of her last tetanus shot calm and panicky at the same time. I wrapped her in my arms, assessed the wounds. They were not life-threatening. And part of me shut down. 
I just didn't know it. We made plans to visit the teen mental health facility the next day. We sat together, we cried, our tears finally stopped and mutual I'm sorry's were shared and she slept. Colleen, I couldn't risk being away from her. So we were sleeping in the living room and between us, her handwritten note, her promise not to harm herself again while I slept. Mm. And any parent on here will probably understand that I got an attitude of, yeah, right. Like I'm going to close my eyes tonight. So all night I listened to her breathe and stared into the darkness, grateful she was alive. Yeah. And I wondered what just happened. And then the question started, how did this happen? Whose fault is it? Who's to blame? Yes. And in that swirl of emotions, what followed was counseling, therapy, interventions, medications, hospitalizations, and 13 more attempts. Mm. And silence. I was great at sales. I sold myself on the idea that as long as she was getting professional help, we didn't need to talk about it. Mm. And one day led into the next. And 23 years later, when she broke the silence, I wasn't ready. Mm. But that's what happened is eventually the day that Stephanie broke the silence was August the 3rd, 2019. She's now 37. And she gave a seven minute message that matters. And that became the other side of my TEDx talk, where I shared what that experience was like for me in the back of the room as the host of the event Mm -hmm. when Stephanie broke the silence without warning. Mm -hmm. Now, I got lucky. One, I was in the back of the room where nobody could see my reaction. And the other is that I've had 30 years as a stress management consultant. And it was only those 30 years of training that kept me from crawling into a corner and just crying my eyes out. I bet. Because my daughter revealed that even after all this time, she still struggled with suicidal thoughts. And in that moment, I realized the struggles that she had had to face alone because I didn't have the courage to have the talk about suicide with her. I was scared of putting the idea back in her head. Mm. Now I look at how irrational that was. You'd have thought maybe after 14 attempts, I'd have figured out that the thought was still there. Yes, yes. But that's not the way the brain works, or at least not the way my brain worked. It made perfect sense to me at the time. After the, her talk, we decided to work together. Who knew that was possible? Along with her sisters, we co-founded the Teen Suicide Prevention Society. And we realized that the struggle that I had to have the talk was a universal struggle. And so we started teaching the talk. It's a simple, simple four-question conversation that 
started out the way suicide prevention had been given to us, which was for kids at risk. You have this talk when you think your kid's at risk. We ran into three or four major hurdles with this. And the first one is it looking for signs. We live in a day and an age where the first sign that a kid is in trouble is often an attempt. And Colleen, they don't all survive. Right. So we figured out we had to get ahead of that. And that's how we shifted from Suicide Prevention Advocates, which is the original name of the program, to now it's Advocates for Living. Mm -hmm. And we are teaching the talks that save lives. And the pivot was so simple and so obvious that when I went back to my daughter's talk, I was like, there it was. Simple and obvious. Have the talk before you think they need it before your kid is struggling. I mean, we don't wait to have the talk about sex until after our kid's pregnant. Right. You know, for me, it was the talk about drugs, certainly had that before they were in rehab. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked about alcohol before they lost their license for drunk driving. Mm -hmm. And then my daughter went to college on a dry campus. And I found out that that means the kegs are hidden in the showers of the girls' dorm. <laughs> we had to talk about alcohol more than once, but we hadn't talked about suicide. And she got lots of coping skills. She learned an amazing amount over her years, what we now call her suicide avoidant journey. And it was her desire to teach those skills to teens before they need them that led to the Advocates for Living program. We can teach the talk for to anyone ages 13 and up. 13 to 18, they have to have a responsible adult fill out the application with them. And the talk works at any age because it's designed to work with the brain the way the teen brain works. And most of us still have a little of that teen brain. Yes. Yeah. Days where the prefrontal cortex does not come forward and give us rationale and the pause button. Yes. So we set it up where anyone can do it. Oh, and we made it easy because the problem with the talk, you know, when you go to have the talk about sex and the kids' eyes roll back in their head. Yeah. We set it up that way first and realized that wasn't going to work because the kids will tune it out. So we did a different style and we asked a different question. Instead of asking how to stop suicide, we started asking, how do you stop suicidal thoughts from getting stuck in someone's head? Great question. We recognize, thanks to Freud and a bunch of other people, that suicidal thoughts are normal, part of our natural negative bias and our worst case scenario problem solving mechanism. And once we understood that they were normal, we realized suicidal thoughts are not the problem. It's when you become afraid of them, when they get stuck. We call that a negative echo chamber. And to break that open, to start the talk without knowing whether or not somebody has that going on, we created an invitation. This saves a parent's sanity. Are you ready? Yes. Hey, Colleen, I'm part of the mission to make teen suicide a thing of the past. They gave me a guide. 
I need to practice the guide to stop suicide. Would you have a few minutes to help me practice the guide? Sure. And we made it just that simple. And immediately things shifted because now it wasn't about thinking they were at risk. It wasn't personal to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rather than telling your listeners about the talk, would it be okay if we just did the talk and gave them a demonstration? Sure. Let's do it. All right. Colleen, thank you for helping me practice the guide. It's only four questions. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Question one. Colleen, have you heard about the rise in teen suicides? I have. Thank you. Question two. Colleen, do you have a story? Do you have a friend who's tried or died? I do. Thank you. Question three. Colleen, have you ever thought of leaving that way? I haven't thought about that. Thank you. Colleen, why stay? What are your reasons for staying? Oh, there's a lot of reasons for staying. Like what? I love my family. I love my daughter. I love my work. I like to make a difference in the world. I love to travel. I love good food and a good glass of wine. (laughs) Another way of asking is what's so good about your life that you want more of it? That's a good question. I'm making a difference with moms all over the world, and I want to keep doing that. How cool. Anyone watching this or listening to you, when you tapped into your reasons for staying, your voice changed, your whole attitude changed. Yeah. What was happening in your brain? The energy that was attached to suicide, culturally, suicide, personally, suicide, risk inside. All of that energy got redirected into a new neural network labeled reasons for staying. Yes. And the Mm -hmm. more reasons that you have, and often this is where we would probe. We don't probe at all on the first three questions. They are verbatim, including the response. On the fourth question, we probe. Tell me more. What else? And the reason we do that is because the more reasons for staying that you hear yourself say, because this is an inside out job. We cannot give people what's so good about their lives, though Lord knows I have tried. My my friends in the UEQ world about emotional intelligence, they tell me that that's called corrective complex, where I'm trying to make somebody feel differently. I'm trying to fix them or teach them or help them without their permission, usually. Yes. And so giving people, well, wait a minute, don't you think this is good about life? And isn't this true for you? Any of those things shut down and block off their ability to talk about it. And we're actually isolating them in their negative echo chamber when we do. So the guide is very specific. So there's no probing, no reaction, just reading 
keeps the parents safe. You're, you're not even staring at them. You're reading. Keeps everyone safe. Mm. And then when they talk about their reasons for staying, your brain is actually mirroring their brain. And so your brain is firing on reasons for staying. And both of you are building a buffer between you and an edge that you may not have even known you were near. Mm, that's great. I love it. It's I a love lot it. of fun. It's a yeah. lot of fun. And we put a safety net in there for parents. We put an alert trigger because the other question we were getting when we first started was, what do I do if I think they're at risk? What do I do if the question goes, if the conversation goes sideways? Mm -hmm. So we put an alert. Here's the alert. If someone says yes to question three, yes, they have had thoughts of leaving. And when you ask, what are your reasons for staying? They have zip. And when you ask what's so good about your life, you want more of it, they have zip. So if they have thoughts of leaving and no reasons for staying, stay with them and dial 911. They'll hate you for it. And you might save their life. That level of disquiet we call they need intervention and they need to be with a trained intervention specialist right then. But here's the deal. The number of people with all of the thousands of talks that we've done, the number of people who hit that trigger, thoughts of leaving and zero reasons for staying, zero. Wow. Now, here's why. Someone who's dealing with depression, struggling with suicidal ideation, struggling with suicidal thinking is really good at masking. So when you ask the question, what are your reasons for staying? They're going to lie. And it's not going to matter because their subconscious mind is hearing them answer the question, what are your reasons for staying? And it's building out the file folder of reasons for staying in their brain. Yes. So it's actually kind of a ninja trick because you're building a buffer between them and an edge. And if you've got a sense of disquiet around it, hey, ask more questions. Get them involved in the Teen Suicide Prevention Society. Call an intervention hotline and get them on the phone with a stranger. We found that it's often easier to talk with a stranger than it is with someone who knows the possible players in our pain. Yes. What we realized was that one talk was enough to shift the thinking. And then we knew parents need to put their own oxygen mask on first, just like they tell you on an airplane. So the Advocate for Living program started building out the other things. How do you learn to look at yourself through the eyes of kindness? How do you learn to know, like, and trust yourself better? How do you build boundaries and bounce bullies. How do you stop self-sabotage? Mm -hmm. Making peace with your past. So those are the rest of the Advocate for Living program. The first piece, have the talk to stop suicidal thoughts. 
everything else is put your own oxygen mask on first because you don't know when you're going to need to help somebody else put on theirs. Be your own advocate first. Moms need to take care of themselves first. Yes, they do. For sure. That was my story. (laughs) No, that's great. Well, as you know, I'm a therapist and I am very familiar with this subject. Mm-hmm. And I do find when I'm talking to teens is they have a lot of shame because they do have suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. I loved what you said. We don't want those thoughts to get stuck and you don't need to be afraid of them. They need to just keep moving. And what I also found is I remember there was a, unfortunately a time that a lot of middle school girls that I knew were having lots of suicidal ideation and one girl who ended up in the emergency room I learned a lot from her luckily she was fine but they often don't really want to die they're just they're tired they want the pain to stop they're suffering but they don't really think about the long-term consequences of the suicide oh my god they can't think about the long-term consequences part of their brain is missing right the prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed so they don't have perspective yes yes so i love what you're saying and i do think that you you alluded to this in your story but i do think a lot of moms are afraid to bring it up because they're going to feel like they're putting the idea in their teen's brain Would you agree with that? Oh, I agree with the fear. And it comes from Myth Island. It is a myth. You cannot. And there is a lot of literature about this now. You cannot put a thought in someone's head. Even if you bring it up, if there is nothing for it to hook onto in their brain, it will just slide right out. Ask any history teacher. They will tell you. You cannot put a thought into a teenager's head unless they're interested in it. And trust me, if it gets hooked, you want to know. Yes, yes, you do. Here's what I discovered. And suicidal thought comes in, thoughts of leaving. And it just passes by. And then it comes back and it's like, oh, do I need to be worried? My daughter said she wouldn't talk about it because she was afraid of being a burden. Yes. The logic gets really skewed because you're right. They're not trying to die. They just don't know how to live. Yes. And they don't know how to live with the emotional pain. And so for people who come to the edge and off the ledge and survive universally, They thought the world would be better off without them. They thought their families would be better off without them. It is a selfless act at that point. Somebody said, Jackie, why do people do that? And I said, because in that moment, it seems like the best idea at the time, which is really why we do anything. That's why we take any action, because at the time, it's the best idea we've got. Our job at the Teen Suicide Prevention Society is not to take suicide off the table. Because if that's all that's keeping somebody alive, and sometimes it is, is I know I don't have to stay here, I can make it another day. The minute we close that door, 
they're gone. And these are the stories we were hearing and why we created the Advocates for Living program, where it's not about talking them out of anything. It's about talking them into, actually not even, it's about asking the questions where they hear themselves, talk themselves into staying. That's right. why we call it reasons for staying. Right. This is almost getting them to a place where they're self-hypnotizing themselves. They're hypnotizing themselves into backing away from an edge. And it yes. works. Yes. Well, and also, since you are familiar with the neuroscience of the teenage brain, and I am too, is sometimes the teens, they're at risk because they're impulsive and they do not lack perspective. And so what you're doing, which why I really love the reasons for staying part, is you're helping them think it through, which they're not thinking it through. And the more you put that in their minds proactively, that that becomes the more dominant thought than the reasons for leaving. And what we've found is that when a teen engages other teens in these talks, remember, mm -hmm. mirror neurons, both yeah. teens are backing away from the edge. I got asked to try to explain what you just talked about with impulsivity and I call it the lack of a pause button in the teen brain. Yeah. The suicidal thought, they start to worry. So what do you do when you're trying not to think about something? You know, have you ever tried to not think about an elephant? The right. minute you try to not think about something, you're actually now thinking about not thinking about it, which means you've doubled down on the thought. And our subconscious minds, are elegantly designed to bring about what we think about. This is the law of attraction in action. So the more you struggle not to think about it, the more you're thinking about it, the more your subconscious mind goes to work to bring it about because that's its job. So it starts looking for opportunities and even creating plans that you're not aware of. Without the pause button in a teen brain, all it takes is opportunity to cross subconscious plan and they're gone. And if they survive in the emergency rooms, they say, I don't know what happened. Right. And it's because of that lack of the prefrontal cortex being fully activated. We can't change how their brains work though almost every suicide prevention program I could find was trying. It was trying to logic them into and out of an emotional pain. Logic and emotion don't necessarily coexist too well, at least not in my brain. Logic goes out the window as soon as emotion takes hold. Absolutely. And, yeah. And action comes from emotion. You know, I call it emote, to move. Yes. So that's how we ended up with the program that addresses how the teen brain really works. Yes. Yes. And one about being safe in the conversation too. Yes. So one other thing I just thought about is I think sometimes moms, we don't want to talk about it because we would feel like if our kid was having suicidal thoughts, like that there was something wrong with us. Okay, uh, can I hit that like with the, with the baseball bat? Yes, please. The power of what I had to come to terms with 
that night where it was who's to blame because it had to be somebody's fault. If my kid is struggling, here's the deal. All right. I, I got the get out of jail free card for all moms. We are involved in the suicide war. W-A-A-R. We are all at risk. Your teen is at risk. Your teen knows about suicide. I went into a high school with our first book. And after I explained our job was to try to help them break the silence, because that's where we thought it needed to be at first. I went around the room. Some of the questions came from that day. I asked, do you have a story? Do you have a friend who's tried or not? And Colleen, they went around the room. One story after the other. One young woman lost her first friend to suicide in elementary school and her second friend just the year before and she was only a sophomore. Wow. When I left, I got into my car and I cried. Now, I do not live in where you would identify as an at-risk population. I live in a county that has the second highest per capita disposable income in our country. And it was 100% of the kids in the room. Wow. Had a friend who had tried or died or they had tried. So parents, guess what? There's a problem with your brain. Okay, we talked about the teen brain. I'm going to address the adult brain. Great. The adult brain has the reticular activating system, the filter that screens out overnight, well over 90% of all of the stimulus and allows in those thoughts and experiences that most closely align to what you already believe. Parents, here's where it's a problem. You're hardwired to believe that your kid's okay. I was hardwired to know that my kid is just fine. What does that mean? Any sign, any red flag, any indication that my kid was not okay, even the fact that she was already in therapy was screened out because my kid, not my kid, my kid's okay. This is the default setting of the brain. Malcolm Gladwell is a great author, and he wrote a book called Talking to Strangers. He lays this out and calls it truth bias. We believe strangers are telling the truth. We believe our kids are telling the truth. In scientific circles, they have another name for it. It's called confirmation bias. They now recognize that the expectation of the scientist can impact the outcome of the experiment. We expect our kids to be okay, so we don't know, we don't see. That's why this invitation and this talk is critical. Because if you're waiting for signs, we think you're looking for trouble. Yes. Oh, my goodness. You just keep preaching. This is really, really good. It's, it's just true. It's absolutely true. I'm so glad that you explained that to the moms. So, oh, my gosh, so much to talk about. Um, but we are running out of time. So what, what's the last advice that you have for moms out there? You're better than you think, and you can't do it wrong. At TalksThatSaveLives.com, you let us know that you heard about us on the radio show. We'll send you the guide. We'll send you recorded training on how to use the guide. You just let us know you want it. We'll send it to you. Wow. So, so where do they need to go again? TalksThatSaveLives.com. 
Okay. Okay. All right. So moms, I hope that you listen to that talks that save lies.com. And again, tell them that what you're going to do for them. If they go there and they apply, they can put in the, where did you hear about us? Put in the show. And we'll send them the guide and the recorded trainings. We call this level one. We will send it to them for free. Oh, that almost brings me to tears. That is so generous. It's so needed. What you did today, Colleen, you just helped suicide proof all of your listeners. Because when you gave me your reasons for staying, their mirror neurons were firing too. So you are now part of the mission to make teen suicide a thing of the past. I just cannot thank you enough for giving me this opportunity to talk to your moms. You're so welcome. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms and Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and give Power Your Parenting Moms and Teens podcast a five-star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my best-selling and award-winning book, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, A Guide for Mothers Everywhere. You can find that and order it online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And you can always find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com, two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.